1: Welcome to the Real Vision Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Friday, September 24th, 2021. Today, I'm joined by our CEO and co-founder,
1: Rao Pal. Rao, welcome. It's good to be here. As you can tell, I'm in Little Cayman, which is makes me very happy when I get over here. I know most people think Grand Cayman's quite a quiet and charming place, but Little Cayman's something special. So I'm very happy to be here for the weekend.
2: How many people on the island, Raoul?
1: Well, right now, both two of the hotels are closed because it's off season. So probably I would guess there's about a hundred here right now. Wow! And at peak wow. season, when everybody's here staying in their houses, it's probably two hundred.
2: Hmm. Beautiful place, though. Raoul, talking about numbers—is uh, it a lot of news flow today, or is it a lot of noise? Let's talk a little bit about what's happening uh, in China. News wires flashing around five o'clock this morning, uh, talking about China apparently expanding, extending its ban on Bitcoin and related cryptocurrency technologies. What are your thoughts on this?
1: They are. I don't think it's really much of an extension. What they're trying to do is clean up the leakages i think ahead of the launch of the digital yuan yeah. um, and so it's more about that and more about illegal capital flight and just cleaning up their own financial system uh, than it is i mean as far as we can see it's not an outright ban for owning crypto really what they're trying to do is get people mo- stop people moving money outside of the chinese system and i understand why that is as well so it sounds like big news. I don't think it is big news. I don't think it's like China bans everybody ever using crypto ever, and they're all going to go to the gulags if they do. I don't think that's the case. Um, they've also obviously got rid of mining, as we're aware of. And there's probably still, because within one of the statements was another reference to mining. So there's probably still mining activity going on. You know, It's a big country. And so they do want to stop the mining, because you know, it's. I, I believe that the stopping of the mining is about... Both the for the green energy part, but really it's about the competition for electric, electrical resources, because um, you know there is a scarce supply of some commodities right now, and the last thing they want is to raise uh, electricity prices on the general population. Yeah,
2: very much. They're seeing supply chain challenges as well as constraints on basic resources and electricity in China right now. To bring it back to the numbers, Ralph I'm looking at the screen here. Bitcoin trading at forty-two thousand four hundred and one. Uh, it's only off about five point three percent twenty four hours.
1: Yeah, it's mainly noise. You get used to this after a while. Once you've been invested in the crypto space, is that you know it's an eighty six vol asset currently versus the S and P is like ten. Um, so it's eight times as more volatile as the S and P. So a ten percent move is just basically like the S and P having a one percent move. So it's not really that much of a that much of an issue. What is interesting is Bitcoin is very much following, we've talked about this before, its pattern from 2013. And Ethereum is following the Bitcoin pattern from 2017. And things like Solana are following the the Ethereum pattern from 2017. And they all kind of suggest that this might be a decent entry point for a large run up to the end of the year. And that's how I'm thinking of this
2: yeah, I'm looking at a calculator here that estimates Bitcoin volatility on a 30 and 60 day basis. Uh, estimated 30- day volatility, four percent daily, estimated 60 day volatility, three point seven percent daily. To your point,
1: noise. Yeah. yeah, and these things are these things are noise. We've just had a decent run-up. We've been correcting um, for the last few days. You know, we had a sharp move, and nobody really knew what the news was. It was probably part of this. Um, and fine, it's it's kind of normal. I think for most participants are so used to it and anybody who's been in for a while I mean we we had a 50% correction already so like this is like pa throw me a 20% correction and I don't care
2: yeah Talking about news cycle-related events having an impact on Bitcoin, you had a really uh, impressive uh, tweetstorm thread about the remarks by SEC Chair Gary Gensler a few days ago uh, when he came out with some things that seemed fairly bearish, effectively saying, I'm not sure that cryptocurrency as an asset class is going to be constituted in its current form for a very long time. Uh, You had some interesting insight about what that might suggest for the longer-term, bigger picture, forward structure of markets and regulation in the space.
1: I think the battle lines are being drawn all people who are trained in negotiation skills will set the boundary hard in the most extreme they can all trade negotiations everything happens that way and then what happens is you go then go to the negotiating table and you're looking for a compromise and you're looking to get over your side of the line so firstly there's a couple of battles going on Gensler has not got the right entirely to to regulate crypto. There's the OCC and the CFTC, and maybe even the Fed themselves who are interested in this. So there is a fight within within Washington who regulates this. But obviously, if you're the head of the Securities Exchange Council Commission, then you want the word security to be attached to everything, as opposed to currency, because that goes to the OCC, right? So this is politics, for starters. But the question is, is are most cryptocurrencies securities under the definition? And the interview with Michael Saylor that's out on the platform today on Real Vision Crypto, we talk about this, and they probably are. And that what freaks everybody out. Oh, my god, it's a security. The security thing is a red herring. Because what does that mean? What it means is to issue things You would have to have more regulatory red tape. It's very costly to do. If it's security, you can only issue it to certain people. So, what are they going to do? Are they going to go back and prosecute seven and a half thousand people for all of the tokens that have been launched? No, that's ridiculous. Are they going to cherry pick a few and try and take them to court? Yes, that's where the battle starts. What is a security and what does it mean? The end result is going to be a grand bargain because. Securities laws written in 1934 are simply not suitable for this current time. And so the securities law themselves will have to change, whether it's a digital asset law that comes into place, or they rewrite securities laws. But that will change. Also, if you think about the political backdrop about the 99% and the 1%, the rich getting richer. If you honestly think it's a good idea to not give the public access to the best investment class in terms of performance the world has ever seen, then you are really making some bad decisions. So what does he want to do? He talks about basically consumer safety. And consumer safety, that's going to be about, I think, the, the onus has to go on the consumer. You and I can go to Vegas. And throw anything on the table and lose it all. Everything we can mortgage the house and do it. No regulation, zero. But heaven forbid if we buy a token, because it might be a scam. Really, is that if that's the issue? Then firstly, give people warnings. You know, you maybe the exchanges say if you want to buy this, you have to understand it's a high risk asset because it's a low market cap, and therefore you should you should be aware that you could lose everything. That's okay. Risk warnings are fine, but to say you can't take a risk is crazy. This is why Wall Street gets richer all the time because to get access, you have to do it via um, a financial institution. It's the same with venture capital. Yes, we can do some crowdfunding stuff now, and that's it's opened up a bit, but it's still not fully opened up unless you're an accredited investor. So apparently, if you have a million dollars, you're 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 not dumb money, and anybody less than a million dollars is dumb money. I mean, that's insulting to people. What, does money define your ability to understand risk? No. Does it define your ability to take risk? No. What defines your ability to take risk is how much a percentage of your assets you're going to risk in it, which is risk management. Two different things. So all of this is going to have to change. The accredited investor rules, they're going to have to change, just simply not acceptable to force the millennials eighty-six million of them out of a marketplace because somebody in Washington says, "Well, they're not safe for you guys, but leave it to us. Let let the other guys deal with that. The rich guys and Wall Street, and you know, we'll give you a product after we've layered in some fees." No, just not going to happen. So there is a fight that's going to come. The industry will not accept this, and there will be a compromise because. We know there's KYC, we know there's AML, those are without question going to happen. Tax compliance without question will happen. And then beyond that, there has to be risk warnings, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. And there has to be some regulation, some oversight over scams, so there's maybe some way of getting back money and other insights. But, But for somebody to have, who's got the power, the voice of God to say, that is a scam and that is not a scam? Oh well, you know, polkadot. Well, that could be a security. You can't invest in that unless you've got a million bucks. Or it, this is just cannot happen. If the US does this, this is the fastest growing adoption of any technology in all human history. There's 150 million people worldwide using crypto um, right now. <laughs> by my estimate, we get to a billion dollar, a billion people by 2024. If that's the case then this market is going offshore. It is not going away. And so regulating people, all you're doing is is hampering the investment choices and the future earnings of millions of Americans. So I understand what he's doing now. He's laying out the stall. Everyone's going to have to go through court cases, Ripple being one of the first ones. And then a bunch of people are going to go to court over this, and there's going to be a big fight, and there's going to be a bunch of lobbyists that are going to have to be created for the industry. So This is not going away quickly, and it's going to scare the market occasionally. And Then there's going to be a lot of FUD of people on Twitter going, see, they're going to ban Ethereum as a thing. You must buy Bitcoin, all of this nonsense. Everyone just calm down. This is going to take some time, and it is expected, and it has to happen. We have to get the regulations changed, and the SEC will work with everybody in the end. It's too big an industry.
0: Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
2: Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. I mean, we should just end the show there. That's so perfectly well said. And that's such a frame on where we find ourselves here in 2021. You talk about the income inequality aspect of it. You talk about the basic and fundamental fairness question about who has access to which financial products. Uh, We have plenty of risk in our lives. People are trusted to make their own decision. I can get in a cab and go uh, to East Rutherford, New Jersey right now and lay my full paycheck down on the Giants game. Uh, but I'm not. You know, if you're not an accredited investor, you can't invest uh, in this or that security. Look, by all means, as you say, full. Go ahead.
1: And it also, it, it's total nonsense. Look what people are doing in Robin Hood, right? They're trading options, trading their life savings, and they right. know what they're doing, right? Nobody on Robin Hood, or particularly the Wall Street bets crowd, nobody doesn't know what they're doing. They don't know how to invest, but they're taking long shots, and they want to. Their risk appetite is not anybody else's business, as long as they're aware of what they can lose and that it is risky. As long as you do that, how much risk you want to take, up to you.
2: Yeah. And that gets back, back to your point about full, fair, honest, transparent disclosure. You have to be able to tell the truth. You have to be able to get a fair score on what's happening, uh, but don't restrict the access.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right.
2: Yeah. And a piggyback on that one further point, also, global competitiveness for the United States, if this is something that doesn't happen here, it's going to keep happening. The genie is out of the bottle. The power of these decentralized assets is just enormous. It's just a question of, do we want to have it grown in the United States, or do we want it to be in developing Asia or China or elsewhere?
1: Let's not forget, we had exactly the same issue with the internet right? at about this time, right, 1997, everyone's like... Oh God, what do we do with this? 150 million people, same number as using crypto right now. This is the Wild West. You know, who's liable for what gets published? How does this work? How do we regulate it? Well, it started with a tough line and it finished with a grand compromise, um, which allowed the industry to flourish. And that's the point about regulation. The moment it's cleared up, the thing will absolutely explode. Because then it's going to go total, full adoption. Um, so we have to go through this. The internet went through it, and and it will get solved. Yeah.
2: Uh, talking of the, your interview with Michael Saylor and volatility in markets, I wanted to just call out this uh, conversation that you have with Michael Saylor. Let's take a look at the clip.
1: I think that the number one the number one critique right now of, of Bitcoin is it's volatile. But I don't think it's volatile because it's digital property, digital energy, or because of all of the... Constructive uses of it. I think it's volatile because there's too much leverage in the offshore crypto exchanges and the altcoins. I think that, I think that what's happening is someone buys an altcoin with a 10x lever. It moves up 20%. They cross collateralize into the second altcoin and then they somehow collateralize that or they tie that into Bitcoin. I think that 20x and 100x leverage in the offshore crypto exchanges has been driving the volatility in Bitcoin.
2: Well, there you have it, Raoul. Returning to the point we were making earlier about volatility in Bitcoin as an asset class coming from Michael Saylor. uh, And his thesis, this is offshore leverage accounting for that volatility in the
1: system. A lot of all assets have leverage. And you know it's like it's blamed on hedge funds in the s and p and it's like you know there's always somebody to blame it on, and yes, it's because humans love leverage. They cannot help themselves, they just want to have more of something. And so yes, Asian leverage at like ten x or twenty x leverage, causes price spikes, and it's just a feature of the market. Now we've seen leverage coming down, you know the one hundred x products are all kind of starting to reduce down to ten x. What's beautiful about leverage in the crypto market versus the futures market is if you go in the futures market and you get leverage, you get a margin call. And if the, if the market's then down again the next day, you know, your margin still goes up, and you've got to deliver that margin, and there's settlement time, and you can get yourself in a world of pain. Uh, you know, If you're trading agricultural commodities, they can go limit down for a week, and you're trying to pay margin all the time, and you can bankrupt yourself easily. Crypto is beautiful because it's fully collateralized. So the moment it hits the, the, the margin limit, it's liquidated. That's why it's volatile. That volatility is a key feature that makes crypto as a market so robust. Yeah, Because you can't have a situation where somebody can't meet their margin call, because there are no margin calls, because it's instant liquidation. So you're trading off the big risk- for these smaller risks, yes, and mark, you know, leverage can build up in a bull market, so the, the the risk can be bigger. But over time, you 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 don't have the institution going under side of the issue, or you know, big investment house going under. It's it's not a feature of the space within retail. Obviously, we'll screw that all up because the hedge funds will take too much leverage, and somebody else will. You know, that's humans, you know, we just always abuse leverage.
2: Well, some of our best friends are traders, and we know if they could get twenty x leverage on claims on your Gas Monkey T-shirt, they would trade it.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. And then rehypothecate it and double the leverage again.
2: <laughs> and suddenly, the outstanding notional on the T-shirt would be a hundred million dollars, and no one would know why. Exactly right. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I'm struck. I I was just, we were talking a little bit about this off air. I just got back from two back-to-back conferences. Uh, I was at the SALT Conference, which, of course, is the SkyBridge Alternative Asset Conference. Uh, This is Anthony Scaramucci's big hedge fund conference that he has every year, uh, followed immediately by... Masari mainnet. This is probably uh, one of the two biggest crypto conferences of the year, the other one being Bitcoin Miami, which I was at in June. Uh, You know, the amazing thing to me about the SkyBridge conference uh, was it really felt like this was a kind of a a pivotal moment, a transitional moment. Uh, Probably 90 plus percentage of the uh, attendees were in the hedge fund space, the traditional asset space, uh, large funds, large banks, exactly the people you would expect to be uh, at a SkyBridge conference. But, Ralph, I'm telling you, 50 plus, maybe 60% of the content this year was about crypto and digital assets.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just had my global macro investor roundtable. And um, normally we would have spent a long time talking about currency markets, stuff like that. We kind of flicked over all of that. Everybody is. More interested in the, in the crypto side of things, which I've been talking about for a while. Crypto and macro have merged. That's what SkyBridge is telling you. That's what Global Macro Investor tells us. It's merged, and it's not from speculative activity like, you know, the price is going up, so we're all interested. I mean, everybody's building businesses. Um, so, you know, it's fascinating. It's, it's a really, really big movement.
2: Yeah. And and, uh, and I would add also talking about things like tokenization, trading of traditional assets on digital rails, on distributed ledger technology rails. This is something that there's just so much enthusiasm on. And it was surreal to see these, uh, you know, the older guys in the blue suits talking to crypto kids in t-shirts. I mean, it really did have this worlds collide feel about it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and this has been my thesis for some time. and I pointed it out Back in March 2020, it's like these worlds have collided. You're just about to find out about it, and now everybody can see. And you know, my guess is, my guess is the ETF comes off in the next month or two. That'll be another wave of adoption, and before you know it, it's a fully financialized product. Ie, it's part of the offering of of all of the investment banks, the asset management firms, everybody. That's all to come.
2: Yeah. So, Raoul, uh, we're getting absolutely bombarded with questions. Should we dive in and answer a few? Let's do it. Um, so, this is uh, an interesting question. Oh, boy. Do we start with this one? Here's a, here's a time bomb for you, Rao. It comes from Ulf J. And the question is, uh, why do Bitcoin-only people not see the network effects on other cryptos?
1: <laughs> we- well, I've talked about this at length, is there's a whole group who are very smart that say, listen, I'm actually just interested in the monetary aspects of Bitcoin, and that's what I want to focus on. Absolutely fine. There's a bunch that say, listen, I've looked at this, and I think that Bitcoin is going to end up being entirely dominant um, because of this monetary aspect and the security of the network. And that's fine, but they have to see that there is a probability that something else could. Um, And then there's a bunch of people who just don't want to hear And that those are the people who tend to be driven to protect tribally their network. Because if it's network adoption, then they need to protect their network at all costs. While kind of Ethereans and others tend to be more aware of the broader network itself, of all of this being part of a larger network, and that the rising tide lifts all boats. And my Point of view has always been I think the market cap goes from 2 trillion to 200 trillion in the next 10 years. And Mm. there's plenty of room for everybody. Nobody's eating anybody's pie here. All the pies are going to grow. So, you know, as Solana grows, it's only helping the Ethereum ecosystem grow. And it's only going to help Bitcoin grow because more people come into the space. The pie is growing, it's all going up in value over time.
2: Yeah. Speaking of room for everyone here, I think it's also important on Real Vision that we have some of those Bitcoin-only voices to make that argument,
1: to make the counter. You know, it was fun having Michael Taylor because you know he's you know a very strong Bitcoin advocate. We got into it a little bit about the security thing, and uh, you know he's like, "You sell your ETH because they're coming after you, the SEC." You know, and that's fine. It's it's all part of it's all part of the narrative of the space.
2: Welcome back to Real Visions Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. Yeah. We're answering questions right now from Real Visions Exchange on the YouTube channel and, of course, on Twitter as well, where you can ping me at, at Ash Bennington uh, right now on Twitter as we're answering these questions. Here's a great question that comes to us from uh, Real Visions Exchange. It's from Jonah I. Raoul. And the question is Is there a risk that the crypto sector would be the hardest hit from Fed tightening? given how much extra liquidity has been going into the space? Boy, a perfect question, merging the worlds of cryptocurrency and macro.
1: Um, I don't think we're at that point in the tightening cycle where it it happens. When capital comes out of the system, you will see crypto markets trade off. and That's typical of the business cycle. But we're nowhere near that yet. We're, We're at tapering point. So when are they actually going to raise rates, if ever? But let's say they get the, are they ever going to shrink the balance sheet again? Tough call. But if they did, let's say summer 2022, if you listen to what the Fed say, well, that's when you start worrying about it. And generally, markets don't fall from rising rates until maybe a year after that, too. So I don't think that's going to be the primary driver of the crypto cycle. But it's probably going to ha- have an influence.
2: Yeah. Uh, here's a question that comes to us uh, from John Lloyd, also on the exchange. And the question is, uh, is this ban in China materially different from all the other
1: times that China has banned crypto? <laughs> uh-huh. I don't think so. Their motivation is different here. I think a lot of the time it is about currency leakages and you know the use of crypto within the economy, Um, And I think it's, it's based on a similar thing, but I think because of the central bank digital currency coming, it's more pressing right now. Yeah, I
2: referred uh, the other day to a hit we did live uh, as a flash update uh, calling the uh, about Evergrande calling uh, Chinese markets uh, as transparent as a jar of peanut butter. Uh, it's always difficult to say. Uh, you know, I saw something today. This was uh, reposted by Coindesk. This is coming to us uh, from a Chinese newsletter called Cynicism with an S, like a Sino uh, China. And they're basically saying that what makes this different, or one of the features that makes this a little bit different. Uh, is that this is a, multi-effort, a multi-agency effort effort in China, cyberspace administration of China, the Supreme People's Court of China, the Supreme People's Procuritate. I have no idea what that means, but clearly, there are just more agencies signing on to this document. But in effect, does this really have a material change? I mean, markets don't think so.
1: No. I mean, we, we've seen the tightening in China. It's now expected by the market, and this is ongoing. I mean, they're clearly serious about what they want to do here. And so, you know, is China the largest driver of all of this? I don't think it is anymore.
2: Yeah. So, so Raul, as you look forward, thinking about what we've seen here today uh, and over the last uh, week from Gary Gensler, from China, what are you going to be looking at yourself uh, to make determinations about what's happening in these markets? How are you thinking about it? And what are the dials you're going to be watching?
1: In, in terms of crypto? Yeah. For me, I... Nothing is going to change versus the macro backdrop of network adoption. So we're at the point in the cycle where network adoption is very strong. I don't see a change in that. So really, it's where are we and when does this correction finish, which I think finishes in the next two or three days if my work is right. And then if I'm right, we should start to see accelerated moves. So that's what I'm looking for. A Something to confirm my thesis, um, and my th- thesis is based that October, November, December are ridiculous. Um, so I use a lot of charts for that. start to look at you know how some of the, the other protocols and tokens are performing versus Ethereum and Bitcoin because we should see a further out on the risk curve still. So we should see you know over time that um, that Ether Bitcoin cross. I think. That's uh, got almost up to the 0.08. It came down again. Where is it now? Um, 0.07. I think once it goes through 0.08, that'll be the that'll be the signal for the next phase in this whole crypto market, which is usually the rewarding phase. But it's just a thesis, and it could change. So I don't know. But you know, I'm not changing or doing anything. I've, you know, I added I added the dip last week earlier earlier this week. And I have no cash left to put in the market. So that's it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I should add, obviously, on Real Vision Crypto, much more coverage on this from a macro perspective. We're going to be doing that. Uh, And to your point about other coins, boy, I have to tell you, Mainnet, some really fascinating emerging technology that we're also going to be covering on Real Vision in terms of uh, new tech, new coins, uh, just new interesting things that are happening in the space. Uh, really looking forward to doing that. Ralph, I mean, I know we're we're getting ready to run out of time here, and I don't want to do an other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? Uh, but what else are you seeing uh, in markets right now? Uh, possibly, how does crypto tie in with the broader macro picture? Uh, and what else are you thinking about?
1: I mean, the, the only real feature of this market has been the slight rise in bond yields after the Fed. Um, and I think they're at the top of the range now. They got to the bottom of the range. They tried several times to break lower. The dollar has tried several times to break higher and failed. The market's still trying to figure out this inflation deflation thing. I did a great interview with David Rosenberg today about this. Um, he's firmly in my camp that any move higher in bond yields is a red herring um, because of the fiscal cliff that's coming. Uh, plus the amount of demand that got pulled forward last year, um, plus maybe what's happening in the employment market, plus what's happening in China, plus the rising prices on gasoline, cars, other stuff that we're seeing is stalling demand. So I'm looking at that still. So that's the big focus. Problem is, is you know, I come on this once a month, once every three weeks, and I'd say the same thing because macro gets one data point a month. Right. The rest is market noise, and the markets have also said, we don't really know what's going on. So let's see. So everything's been in a very sideways range for a while, and macros, have always said, it is like waiting for a bus. You, <laughs> s- you sit around, no buses come along, then they all come at once. So. And I mentioned that the last time before. So that's the buses. I think the crypto bus is about to be the rocket ship that I mentioned last time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll get more crypto rocket bus tweets for sure, Raoul. Okay. As we come to the end here, final thoughts.
1: Final thoughts are really um, the summer's drawing to an end. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Get some time off. Crypto trades twenty four seven. It'll drive you nuts. Just go outside, enjoy nature.
2: Raoul, you're going to have to explain to me this concept of time off at some
1: point. Yeah, me too. I need to explain it to myself.
2: Rao, as always, it's such a pleasure to do this here with you.
1: Always fun. And thanks for everybody joining us on Twitter, on the exchange, on Real Vision, on YouTube, and everywhere else.
2: Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great weekend.